Hello everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and in this segment we are going to be discussing the upcoming transit of K2 in the nakshatra of Swati on a global level and also on an individual level as well. I know that typically we do every other podcast full moon or new moon forecast but the next new moon is going to be like two days after next Friday. So I just thought that we could save it for then. So again, today we will be focusing on K2 in Swati. Before we get started, I want to remind you that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. If you would like to learn more about the difference between Western and Vedic astrology, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on... I believe it's media and then astrology now. And there's a podcast embedded there where you can learn more about the difference between Western and Vedic astrology. I also want to remind you all that K2 is, you know, if you have a background in tropical astrology in the Western system, K2 is the South node, but I found that the difference between the south node meaning and the meaning of k2 are quite different so we will spend some time talking about what k2 represents i also want to remind you all that a nakshatra is a segment of the sky so we have the 12 zodiac signs but when we divide the signs into even smaller portions we get the 27 nakshatras and so swati is in the sign of Libra, but it's specific degree points within that sign. So we'll spend some time talking about Swati. We will talk about the impact of K2 in Swati on a global level. Then we will talk about it on an individual level. And then I have a Q&A. I, on Instagram, asked individuals if they had any questions that I could read at the end. I'm going to choose about three questions and we will do a Q&A at the end, which I'm super excited about. So let's go ahead and get into this. So what is K2 in Vedic sidereal astrology? K2 is the moksha karka. So karka means significator of, it's what it represents. Moksha is liberation from the material realm. K2 is the one planetary energy that is really trying to detach us from material reality. All of the other planets you know, they'll form an ego, they'll form desire and interest, things that kind of connect us to this realm. And again, kind of keep us coming back. K2 really wants us to liberate from the cycle of death and rebirth. K2 wants to reveal the realities of life. It also wants us to feel separation, to feel detached from the material realm so that we are completely consumed and absorbed with supreme reality, uh, you know, infinite consciousness, that which is beyond the material realm, which if we're super spiritual naturally won't pose problems necessarily. If we're super attached, it can be quite difficult because K2 can act as a separator. Um, It is the ultimate ability to sever, disconnect, dissociate. K2 can certainly take things from our lives, separate us from people, from things, um, titles, etc. But K2 can also clear 
energy and can create opportunity. I see K2 create opportunity quite often, actually. So K2 is not always this horrible force that's going to take things from us. It can also help open avenues and open paths that will lead us down deeper states of self-realization, deeper connection with who we're meant to be in this lifetime. And K2 can also bring back things from the past, issues from the past, details from the past, uncompleted conversations from the past. It can literally bring back people from the past, job offers from the past, can just bring things back. K2 is all about the past. But I think that really when I think about K2, I I think about this um, separation, isolation, liberation. So it can be quite isolating, but it can also liberate us and really drive us towards spirituality if we allow it to. So K2 has been in the sign of Libra since March of 2022. And please keep in mind that I do use the true node system. Some of you are listening to this and maybe you've heard other astrologers use different dates. I use the true node system. There's a true node and a mean node. I've had several teachers Some of my teachers use the true node. Some of my teachers use the mean node and get on to me for using the true node. The true node is what I was taught on. And so that's just really what I stick to. So that's where I am today. Who knows? Maybe it'll change in the future. According to the true node, K2 has been in Libra since March of 2022. It will enter... K2 will enter Swati Nakshatra specifically. It's been in the Nakshatra of Vishaka, which I did an entire podcast on. It will be in Swati Nakshatra from September 23rd, 2022 until July 7th, 2023. And the degree points of Swati are 6 degrees, 40 minutes of Libra to 20 degrees of Libra. So if you have planets between six degrees and 40 minutes of Libra to 20 degrees of Libra, this is particularly going to impact you. Depending on the planet that's being transited, the house that's being transited, the dasha you're running, it's going to give you an entirely different effect. And the outcomes are too astronomical to be able to do on this podcast. There are too many options. It would take way too long to do every single you know, possibility. But if you are interested, of course, you can book a reading at innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and then readings to book a reading. And we can talk specifically about what that transit could look like for you. And of course, um, if you have plants in Aries, this is affecting you as well. I did a podcast on Rahu and Barani Nakshatra, and I will be sure to do one when Rahu enters Ashwini, which is going to be at the beginning of 2022 or excuse me, 2023. So talking more globally, and then we'll talk more personally towards the end. And I kind of rushed the research on this. I wanted to get this podcast out. I feel like that I could continue researching things for the next several weeks on this alone. I did admittedly kind of rush the research, but I still have a ton of stuff to present. I don't want to overwhelm everyone. I'm going to try to keep it concise. I kind of broke the findings down into categories and I'll try to pick the most important things, but I thought it was really interesting. So Swati Nakshatra, right? Well, let's talk about Libra. Libra is ruled by Venus. There is this element of creativity and art and expression. The symbols of Libra, it is the scales of justice. 
that is the symbol for Libra. So there is this element of fairness, equanimity, equality. It's the seventh sign associated to the seventh house, which is all about the other relationship, harmony, diplomacy. This is what Libra is all about. Swati is an interesting nakshatra. It's contained entirely within Libra. It's the only nakshatra that is. And so because it's in Libra, there is this inherent desire for connection, collaboration, coming together, joining forces, interdependence. But Swati is a really, it's an enigma because it also desires independence. And the karma of Swati Nakshatra is learning how to cultivate and develop this sense of individuality, this sense of independence, you know, really being able to stand for themselves and what they believe and what they think in their opinions, while also engaging with others and collaborating with others. So there's this, you know, there's a lot of karma around the self but then collaboration, independence, but coming together. And we'll find with K2 and Swati, we'll see individuals come together in a way that is more independent, less mainstream. The last couple of times that K2 was in Swati Nakshatra was between, let's see the dates, February of 2004 until December of 2004, August 1985 until March of 1986, January of 1967 until August of 1967, June 1948 through January 1949. And in these periods of time, we see these themes where people join together, people band forces, they collaborate, and they form groups and that interdependence, but in an independent way. It is outside of what had been happening outside of the mainstream. I would even, you know, say it could be rebellious. It could be kind of, um, anti-establishment, you know, trying to be mindful with my words here. So we'll kind of go through some of those examples. There is this emphasis with Swati on art and creativity. Swati is associated to Sarah Swati, who is the goddess of learning. So there is this emphasis on education, emphasis on science, but then also creativity and expression. Music is a big one. I really want to talk about that. I believe which period of time was it? Sorry, I'm like going back and forth between my notes. I believe it was 1967, but we'll talk about it. Huge emphasis on music and expression. And of course it is in Libra. So there's a lot around the art and the creativity. Swati specifically, the symbol is the blade of grass kind of blowing in the wind. So again, independence, also flexibility, learning how to be strong and steadfast through controversy. The ruling planet of Swati is Rahu. That's important, right? We've talked about the karma control planets. The karma control planet is the planet ruling the sign that Rahu or Ketu are sitting in. Rahu is in Aries. Aries is ruled by Mars. Karma control is Mars. Ketu is in Libra. Libra is ruled by Venus. Venus is the other karma karma control planet right now. But then we can also look at the nakshatras. So when a planet is 
or excuse me, when Rahu or Ketu is in a nakshatra ruled by Rahu or Ketu, we can expect these really karmic matters to come to the surface on a personal level, on a global level. Rahu represents this attachment to material reality. It can create obsession. It can create a lack of clarity, uh, obscurity. Of course, it also represents innovation, creation, forward thinking, uh, futuristic thinking, records being broken. We see this in Swati. We see so many, especially athletic records being broken when K2 is in Swati. We mentioned Saraswati, the goddess of learning. Of course, there's also the science emphasis, as we discussed. Another um, god associated with Swati is Hanuman. And it's Hanuman because Swati, the deity for Swati is Vayu. Vayu is the wind, right? Vayu is kind of blowing around the blade of grass. It has to do wind energy has a lot to do with uh, sharp insight, sharp perception. It also has to do with... um, sparks of insight, sparks of awareness. Sorry, my dog is barking downstairs. If y'all can hear that, I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Um, when I first started this podcast, my cat would meow into the speaker and now my dog is just barking, you know, into the ethers. He tends to do that. Um, but Hanuman, Lord Hanuman is the son of Ayu and Hanuman is associated to devotion. So there is this element of devotion that goes into Swati. So when K2 comes into Swati, whatever Rahu is doing is very important. Whatever Venus is doing is very important. So as we move through the months um, of K2 being here, again, K2 will be here from September of 2022 until July of 2023, several months. As we see Venus move through the signs, it's going to give us a different result as we move forward and we'll be sure to kind of stay up to date on that as we do the horoscopes and the new and full moon forecast. So overall, globally, with everything that we've discussed with K2 and Swati, I do certainly see world connections changing. Libra is all about connecting You know, Swati has this desire to be independent while also collaborating. We will see lines in the sand be drawn. Um, There could be controversy between uh, countries that had formally been connected. We could also see new um, associations being formed. We could see new deals being formed or new connections being formed. But I would say something that we really need to keep an eye on is former connections changing. So former dynamics, former agreements, they can certainly be in fluctuation. And I do think it's interesting. I mean, we have a lot changing in individual countries right now. And so as as world leaders are changing, it only makes sense that those kind of those world connections are going to be changing as well. I do think that there will be interesting breakthroughs when it comes to art and entertainment. I think that there could be new entertainment uh, methods. It could be new video games, new movies, new ways of expression. I, I do think that we will see some interesting innovations when it comes to, again, art, entertainment, expression. When it comes to world leaders in the government. Something that I see repeatedly as we go through and we look at K2 and Swati, there tends to be issues with world connections, okay? Many coups. There are also a lot of rebellions that I saw as well. 
I mean, also just a lot of controversy. I mean, in 2004, we saw the war in Iraq. 1985, there were many rebellions. The Cold War also kind of flared up again around that time period in 1985. In 1970, excuse me, in 1967, this was when we had the Vietnam War. In 1948, this was when the Cold War, the term Cold War was actually coined. And we saw a lot around the Red Army and communism and um, things of that nature. So this is definitely something to be aware of as we move forward into this transit. Something else that I was noticing was this willingness to openly criticize the government. So for example, on May 17th, 2004, Fahrenheit 9-11 was published. So we had this war going on, super brutal. Everyone remembers it in 2004. Um, Fahrenheit 9-11 was released on May 17th, 2004. And I don't know about y'all, but for me, Fahrenheit 9-11, it was the first time I had been introduced to something where, you know, I was being introduced to the concept that things on the media may not be what they appear. The motives behind things may not necessarily be as they seem. Uh, The government may not always have the best interest at heart. War may not necessarily be for the reasons that it's being presented as. And so for me, it totally began to open my mind. And I know that a lot of people in my age group are probably maybe feeling the same way, just depending on their upbringing, but that was huge. And it was an open criticism of government affairs and it gained a ton of traction. And I think that it really changed a lot of people's perspective on things. Um, I also want to say February 23rd, 1967, this was Noam Chomsky, who I also have a lot of feelings and thoughts about super would love to have a conversation about this with someone, but I'm just (laughs) sitting here alone in my closet. But anyway, Noam Chomsky, this was when he released his essay, The Responsibility of Intellectuals, which was an open criticism of the Vietnam War, of essay, an anti-Vietnam War essay that was published. And I think it's a really important thing to note that both of these pieces were aimed at debunking lies told by the government. That was the basis of Fahrenheit 9-11. Noam Chomsky's piece, it was saying that the responsibility of intellectuals is to dispel myths and lies, especially those told by the government. So Again, both of these pieces were written in different time periods, but both of them had this commonality that they wished to expose what wasn't fair. And this is what is interesting to note about Libra, particularly Swati, is that they want what is fair, not necessarily what the law is or what the legality is. They're interested in what is fair and just and virtuous. Some of the most rebellious individuals are actually going to have this association to Libra. And again, it's not because they're wanting to disconnect or um, not come together in harmony. It's because they want to promote harmony. They want to promote what is fair for the most amount of people. And if we look back in history, um, it seems that we've had a difficult time doing that as a world. And so a lot of these revolutionaries and a lot of these people who do push back against the government and are critics tend to have this association to Libra. And so there were a lot of uprisings. There were a lot of people showing defiance through... um, 
protest, also literary pieces, uprisings. And of course, there was also a lot of art coming out around this time um, that was very anti-war and uh, very critical, again, of, of the government. And we can talk about that in a minute whenever we get like specifically into the art. But before we wrap up, I just want to cover some of the other important dates I found just between these time periods that I felt were uh, relevant and particularly relevant to politics. And we'll kind of do this again for the other categories. I'm trying to be as organized as possible during this Mercury retrograde. So on October 25th, 2004, this was when Fidel Castro actually announced that he was going to ban the transactions of the American dollar. So this, of course, created a division between Cuba and the United States even further. On November 22nd, 2004, this was when the Orange Revolution began in Ukraine. There was also the... Uh, people power revolution in the Philippines. And that took place on February 26th, 1986. But we saw these rebellions and we saw people pushing back. And again, we saw a lot of commentary and criticism when it came to the government. And I think I mentioned this already, October 24th, 1948, the Cold War was coined and the Red Army was pretty relevant. There was a lot around communism and there was a lot of division with the Soviet Union and there was a lot of division happening in China around that time as well. And so when I take a step back and I look at things from a broader perspective and just try to find the commonalities between these time periods, it just seems that there are issues with world alliances, um, you know, between countries, but there are also with alliances within the countries as well. There is a lot of division. There are a lot of people who aren't necessarily finding commonality or people with varying opinions. And also this outward desire to make statements on what's happening and this desire to reveal what's happening underneath everything. You know, like we were talking about with Fahrenheit 9-11 that happened in 2004, but then in these other time periods, we saw people like Noam Chomsky and the Beatles, you know, all of these musicians coming out to also share their perspective or artists coming out to also share their perspective. And so we saw this, and as I was mentioning earlier, the rebellions, it's like people coming together to protest, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a coup, but people coming together to have an opinion that is outside of the establishment and what the establishment is doing. And so we see this really, um, we see that as a theme, I feel, between the last four times that K2 was in the nakshatra of Swati. And so I do think that that's something to keep an eye on. I do think that moving forward into this next time period, we could see maybe new groups forming, new pieces of literature being published, there being a desire to expose you know, there could be new publications coming out, new articles being published, you know, it could be a movie or a show, something on YouTube, I mean, any of these social media platforms. But I do believe that there is going to be um, this independence that we see, especially when Saturn enters Aquarius in January. I think that that's when we're really going to see this push for people to want power back, to share their voice, to share their opinion. And again, maybe even new groups forming. It could be in the US, it could be in other parts of the world. Um, these independent groups that are kind of fighting for and working for what they believe in. 
on an independent level. So I hope that that makes sense. I hope that that's concise enough. Hopefully I'm not um, wordsmithing too much. Hopefully it's all kind of concise here. So I wanted to spend some time talking about artwork because I thought that this was so fascinating. So apparently there seems to be a theme with art theft with K2 being in um, Swati, which I think makes a lot of sense. We were talking about K2 being a separation, K2 kind of taking things away. Obviously, Libra is highly associated with art. Swati is associated with art. On August 22nd, 2004, the Scream and the Madonna, which were two paintings in the um, in a museum in Oslo, Norway, they were stolen. So there was, I mean, that the Scream is one of the most prolific paintings of all time. And so again, that happened in 2004. And then it was in August. 1985 on October 27th 1985 thieves stole a total of nine paintings there were five Monet's and two Renoir's and so I looked up Renoir's chart and he has Mars in Swati I'd be curious to see what um which house it's in and then for the artist who created the scream whose name I don't even want to pronounce because I'm going to butcher it he had Venus in Swati. And so this is interesting because Venus is like art and publicate or not publication, but it's like art and expression. And K2 was transiting over Venus and his art got stolen from this museum. It goes to show that transits can still affect our birth charts even after we pass away. So I wanted to show those, you know, I thought it was interesting 2004, 1985, two completely different periods. I thought that this was excellent. On September 17th, 2004, Tamil was declared the first classical language of India. This is a big deal again to me. This is Saraswati, the goddess of language, of knowledge. And this was when Tamil was declared the first classical language, which I think is an amazing, I just, I, um, I can find a lot of appreciation for that. September 14th, 1985, the Golden Girls was, made its debut, which I would not feel morally correct not mentioning in this podcast. Um, Let's see, in this time period when K2 was in Swati, this was when Pink Floyd released their first single, Arnold Lane. Um, There was a lot going on with the Beatles in this time period. They signed a contract that would keep them together for 10 years and it didn't work. This is K2 and Libra. K2 and Libra can dissolve relationship and dissolve connection. K2 takes things away. Libra is all about relationships. It can bring people back from the past, issues from the past for us to work through. It can certainly bring an expansion to relationship in some way, or it can certainly dissolve relationship if we're not careful. So the Beatles tried to sign that contract for 10 years. It didn't end up working. The cover picture for Sgt. Pepper Lone sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band album cover that's a prolific cover all of us would probably recognize it it was taken during this time period aretha franklin published respect which i think that we can all acknowledge there was a lot going on with Jimi hendrix so anyway there was a lot going on musically which i can find a lot of appreciation for i also want to say that there was a lot happening when it comes to theater 
Les Miserables, which I think, again, is a super popular thing here in the West. It opens at the Palace Theater. That was December 4th, 1985. December 19th, 1985, Wind in the Willows opened in New York City in theater. And I don't know about y'all, I was raised on Wind in the Willows, so I saw that and I had to include it. February 17th, 1986, Howard Stern returns to his radio show, which was also pretty prolific when it came to expression and sharing ideas sharing opinion so and I think I think Howard Stern's moon is in Aries if I remember correctly so that would um, make a lot of sense for this transit right because if K2 is in Libra Rahu would be in Aries so that's looking a little bit at what was happening in regards to art another and again y'all I have so much here I'm just trying to make this as brief as possible Something I thought was really interesting, if you're a gamer, Halo 2 came out in 2004, World of Warcraft came out in 2004. Both these video games are two of the most popular video games of all time. And in 1985, this was when Super Mario Bros. was released. So we have three of these like <laughs> life-altering games, if you're a gamer, that are still around today, that are still being played today, that were released when K2 was in Libra. So I kind of wanted to buffer the serious things with some more interesting things. Going back to the serious things for a second, considering what's happening now, especially in the United States surrounding women's rights, women's health and abortion, it was interesting in the cycles where K2 was in Swati, there was actually a lot of... Um, there was a lot of futuristic thinking when it came to abortion. Ronald Reagan legalized abortion under some circumstances in California in June of 1967. This was the first state to do this after Colorado. And so we were seeing headway happen when it came to the legalization of abortion. Again, when K2 wasn't Swati. And I also want to say that there was a theme around uh, women's rights. More women were... Um, coming into Congress, there were more women leaders. Women were also sworn into the army around this time period for the first time when KT was in Swati. Let me get the exact dates on that. Yeah. So it looks like that it was July 7th, 1948, six female, six women were the first women to be sworn into the regular U S Navy. There was also a woman, Mary Leakey, and she was a paleoanthropologist who found the first partial fossil skull of this very specific um, ancestor of apes and humans that was discovered in Kenya. This is interesting, right? K2 is um, anthropology. K2 has a lot to do with digging for things under the earth and again, just things from the past in general. And so anyway, I know that we have a limited time on these podcasts. I have pages of... Uh, research and dates, and I don't want to make y'all listen to all of it, but just trying to condense it, there's a lot of groundbreaking evolution when it comes to women and women's rights and women taking positions of power. And then there's also a lot around civil liberty, civil rights movement, and banning legislature that was oppressive for Black 
individuals in America. And so there was a lot of headway when it came to interracial marriage and also when it came to uh, gay rights as well. When it comes to LGBTQ rights also, there's a lot of headway when K2 was in Swati. And so I do want to note that just because K2 is in Swati, it doesn't mean that we are going to see more women's rights or more steps forward when it comes to women's health care or reproductive health, I should say. But it's going to bring those matters to the forefront, okay? It's going to kind of highlight those issues. Now, depending on what's happening in the rest of the sky with Jupiter and Saturn and the outer planets, that's going to also determine which direction things are going to go. So I do certainly want to point that out. So I hope that this was helpful. Again, globally, honestly, when I take several steps back and I look at this, I think that, as I mentioned in the beginning, just to kind of reiterate, K2 in Swati is going to put an emphasis on world connections, global connections, connections between countries, but also connections within countries. It's going to put an emphasis on travel and exploration and scientific breakthroughs. There may also be new innovations when it comes to art and entertainment. I think there are going to be innovations in general. I didn't even get to sports today. There were a ton of records broken during this time period. I think it's also because Rahu, of course, is in Aries. I've been talking about this since we spoke about Rahu and Aries. I do think that there are going to be more breakthroughs around physical abilities and around athletics. And I also do think that when it comes to people, Saturn being in Aquarius with the addition of Rahu being in Aries, there is going to be, I believe, a lot more rebelliousness. I think there's going to be this great desire for people to come together to uh, create connections, <laughs> to create networks, to facilitate groups that are independent and promote new ideas, new ways of thought, and also are not afraid to question establishments, not afraid to question bigger powers that be. So I do believe that K2 and Swati is going to bring that about on a global level and of course on an individual level as well because it's going to be formed by individuals. So let's talk about K2 and Swati on a personal level. First of all, again, this is not going to affect anyone as much as those who actually have planets in the nakshatra of Swati. I want to say that Martha Stewart, whenever she was sentenced, whenever she got in trouble, this was July 16th, 2004, she had K2 transiting her ascendant. She is a Swati ascendant. So if your ascendant is Swati, if your moon is in Swati, if your sun is in Swati, this can be a period where your identity is shifting, things are changing, um, doors are closing so that new doors can open. People usually undergo some sort of reinvention of themselves and how they identify with themselves because K2 kind of disconnects us from that desire to identify or to cling to things. So that's just keeping things in brief. For all of us, this is definitely a time to focus on our relationships, our connections. It's a time of really focusing on this concept of interdependence, not overly depending on others, not blurring our own boundaries, but really finding fortitude in our own boundaries, fortitude in ourself and our self-identity while still being able to create and harbor relationship with other people. And again, allow for that independence and or interdependence, I should say, and independence. That's what Swati is all about. Some notes that I was taking is this is a period where we can find strength in our vulnerabilities. 
strength and our weaknesses. Swati is the blade of grass being blown by the wind. It finds strength in its flexibility. You know, it might be weak, it might be a little feeble, but it grows through the wind. You know, it kind of makes its way through the storm. So this is a time to acknowledge what our vulnerabilities are, what our struggles are, what our difficulties are, rather it be internal processing and how we navigate work, navigate authority, navigate relationship, acknowledging what those difficulties are so that we can use them as a strength so that we can work on them. If we cannot name something that we're struggling with, if we can't name a deficit, we're never going to be able to work with it. It's the acknowledge is the acknowledgement of what we're struggling with that then gives us the freedom to work with it. If I deny that I'm arrogant for the rest of my life, I'll just sit here and never evolve. If I say, okay, I can have arrogant qualities, that gives me the ability to start working on things. When we acknowledge things, when we bring name to things, this was when we can really start to change things. So looking at our own vulnerabilities as strengths. This is also a time where we can view our enemies as potential allies. I have this conversation a lot with different people. We never know you know, who someone's going to be, how we're going to connect with them. It's best to keep our bridges. You know, I think that there's a theme right now, especially on social media, where it's like, I'm going to burn all my bridges. I don't care. To me, that's not, you know, sometimes we need to burn bridges, but I don't think that that's a great uh, life philosophy. I think that it is important to maintain bridges. It's important to be able to keep connection and to keep communication going, even when we disagree with someone, even when we may have some sort of turbulence with somebody. Again, I think it's, you know, I just think it's strategic. I think it's, it's just a strategic life <laughs> philosophy to kind of have those connections and to keep those connections. And in my opinion, relationship connection is the most important thing to me. And it comes naturally for me. I think it comes naturally for a lot of people, you know, especially listening to this podcast, people tend to be that like heart centered, but you know, trying to keep that in perspective, trying to keep people in perspective, connection in perspective and viewing your enemy as a potential ally. And I think in the biggest sense, it's what can they teach me? You know, enemies trigger things in us. People who we don't like are triggering parts of ourself that we don't want to look at sometimes. You know, if you're around someone and they're triggering something, it's so important immediately to look at what they're triggering within us because a lot of the time it has nothing to do with them and more to do with an aversion that we have. Where is that aversion coming from? What is it steeped in? What is it growing out of? Enemies as potential allies holding on to those connections. Um, there will be a theme around education. There may be a theme around public education or new ways of education and perhaps even around language and music also. So in brief, Swati energy is very truth-seeking. It's very moral. There's a religious aspect. There's a humanitarian aspect, independent aspect, spiritual aspect. So we will be seeing these these things come to the surface. And again, I think that there's this great need for truth to be revealed and for people to look at things from new perspective and for people to come together and find, find their strength. So 
that is what Swati, what K2 and Swati is going to bring. I hope that you all are looking forward to it. And so let's go ahead and transition into these Q&As. And I know that this is already a super long podcast. I'm going to choose questions that will be kind of quicker to answer. I want to say I got a question by Akanksha in India, and she asked, how does one differentiate between spirituality and psychosis and can the two merge or coexist? This is one of the most fascinating and amazing questions I've ever gotten, and I spend a lot of time contemplating. I think that I'll do an entire segment on that. So to be continued on that Akanksha, I hope that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Thank you for the amazing question. We will all be contemplating that. So Amrita asks, how do you know dashas? So a dasha is a planetary period and you can find a dasha calculator online or you can download a program like Parashara's Light so that you can figure out which dasha you're in. The dasha that you are currently running is really dependent on the dasha that you were born in. And so the nakshatra of your moon is going to determine which dasha you were born in and where the cycle of your life started. So for example, if you were born with an Ashwini moon, Ashwini is ruled by Ketu, so you started your sequence off in the Ketu nakshatra. If your moon is in Shadabisha, Shadabisha is ruled by Rahu, you were born in your Rahu Dasha. If your moon is in Purva Ashada, Purva Ashada is ruled by Venus, you started life in your Venus Dasha. So that's how to tell which Dasha you were born in, and then you can kind of figure out where you might be now. But again, I recommend finding a calculator online. The second question that we'll look at is what do you look at when you're seeing compatibilities with friends? This is an amazing question. I love this question. We always talk about romantic connections, so I love getting the opportunity to talk about friends. So the number for friendships is 3 and 11. When it comes to friendship compatibility, it's similar to relationship compatibility in that you'll see a lot of friends have a 1-7 relationship. What that means is you will see a lot of friends who have planets in the same sign as you or in the sign opposite of you. So if you have many planets in Pisces, you'll find that you're attracted to friends who have planets in Pisces and Virgo. That's the one seven relationship, right? Pisces is one, Virgo is seven from Pisces, one seven. Friends are three and 11. So if you are, I'm pulling up a chart as a reference point. If you are an Aquarius rising, three from Aquarius is Aries. 11 from Aquarius is Sagittarius. So Aquarius individuals will find that friendships occur with Aries and with Sagittarius people. You can do this with the moon and the sun and all the other planets, right? So for example, if your Venus is in Scorpio, three from Scorpio is Capricorn, 11 from Scorpio is Virgo. Those would be uh, f very friendly signs for the other person's Venus to be. So looking at the 311 relationship and there are some astrologers that argue that 311 is best for romantic relationships as well because our partners should be our friends so that's what i would say when looking for compatibility with friends is people who have charts with the 17 relationship people who have 311 relationship with your planets and just another comment on that is that i see this in my own life all the time from my moon sign <laughs> 
you know, I don't want to give away my moon sign, but those three elevens find me. And then from my ascendant, I'm a cancer rising. I have so many Virgo friends and I have so many Taurus friends. Virgo is third from cancer. Um, Taurus is 11 from cancer. So that's another example. Let's go ahead and look at another question. What is the significance of having four or more planets in one house from Jenna? So when we have three or more planets in a house, this is called a stellium. And this means that this house and this sign is gaining immense strength and immense power. I do want to say it is really going to be dependent on the house that it's in. Because depending on the house that the stellium is occurring in, it's going to yield a different result. But everything that we're looking at in a birth chart is karma. So if somebody has four planets in a single house, this is definitely like a spotlight of karma on the individual's life. This house, what the house represents, this individual is going to have so much uh, karma kind of wrapped up in those areas. So someone who I'm thinking about is Osho. Osho is a famous author. He's a spiritual leader. He, um, if y'all have seen Wild Wild Country, right? Osho had multiple planets in the eighth house. He had so much karma around sex and transformation and secrets and occultism and transformation and helping people grow, but then also like the secrets and the underbelly kind of energy of the eighth house. Albert Einstein had a stellium in his 10th house of reputation, work, and fame. He was born to innovate and to bring new ideas into the world and to be known for his work and his authority and to become a public figure in that way. So it really depends on the house that it's in and the planets that are involved as well because the planets that are involved are also going to show the type of karma that we're going to be really engaging with and playing out in this lifetime but i would say if someone has four or more planets in a house they need to really familiarize themselves with the qualities of that planet the qualities of the conjunction of how the planets are merging energy and of course the meaning of that house in relationship to their birth chart because they really want to engage with those areas of life and learn as much as they can and um, express themselves as ethically and virtuously as possible to generate or really to um, not build any more karma in this lifetime, <laughs> which is another story for another time. But ultimately, that is what I would say it means when someone has a stellium in a house. It's really, really amazing. It's a spotlight of energy. So that house is going to really be what your life is all about in a lot of ways. So I hope that that was helpful. If you would like to schedule a reading, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings, and then reading to schedule yourself. If you would like to get weekly horoscopes, my Patreon is patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast, where I post horoscopes weekly. If you have any other questions, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I will see you all next week. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.